whiskey bar. Bosco. And this is Zach here. And uh, late night recording. Late night recording. Feels like we're always recording late night, anyways. So, Um, we're night owls. We're night owls. Um, So, uh, yeah. uh, Today we got some. We got some topics. We brought Mm -hmm. some stuff to the table. Um, Zach over here is is looking at my record collection. I'm just admiring this cover with all the naked ladies on it. Yeah. The yeah. Jimi Hendrix cover. What did you say it was? Electric Ladyland. Electric that's my. I think that's my favorite Jimi Hendrix album. And you said it's from a UK pressing. I think so. Yeah, a band UK pressing, and I was just <laughs> it just stuck out to me as like, hell yeah. It has a bunch of like, sixties era looking women on it, all naked. One of them is holding uh, another Jimi Hendrix album. That's if six was nine, mm. or Axis is bold as love. That's the. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty cool one. It's yeah. an eye-catching uh, yeah, yeah. vinyl cover. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a pretentious asshole, so, <laughs> you know, I got all my... Remember got, how when you started collecting records, I found that one by the band Poison Idea? Yeah, I got that, that one. Said re- that said record one. collectors are I pretentious got that one assholes? Just based off the name. That's just, the name of the vinyl. I mean, honestly, the thing is with vinyl is that when you start collecting it, like, you know, like, a lot of the times, like, yeah, you'll go for shit you know... But then you'll just start going for shit that just, like, sounds interesting or, you know, just uh, is eye-catching. Like, there's one I got in there called Russian Party. I still not have not less spun it, but I assume it's Russian Party music, and I'm, you know... Fun. So, so much of the vinyl, like, it, um, a part of it is n- not just the album itself, but, like, the art and how it's presented yeah, on, totally. on the pressing itself yeah. or the cover. You know, there's yeah. a lot more offered... In a vinyl than, you know, your typical online musical libraries and whatnot. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, first things first, we got to acknowledge what terrible sadness. Um, The one of the biggest pieces of shit, you know, of the Bush era, Donald Rumfield, I think he was the Secretary of Defense, I think, under Bush, right? I believe so. Yeah. He had been a and political he was also, player. He was for... also under Ford, I think. I think it was Ford. He had been a political player for some time, because if you were calling that movie Vice, right. um, the movie about Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney originally somewhat mentored or worked with him in the early days, and that was, yeah, that was like late 60s, early 70s, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, and you know, um, I thought of I, I I I thought this was important to mention because, um, I've been seeing like you know I've had discussions with friends of mine you know just in personal life and I, I've seen it online on Twitter a lot too but like this whole thing about like what's the decorum around talking about someone who's a piece of shit is he a piece of shit yeah yeah no, why. I, because tell me a little bit about Donald Rumsfeld that makes him. Well, I mean, horrible. he's one of the architects of the Iraq War. Yeah, you know, what I mean that just that alone, mm-hmm. that alone. You know, I mean, he, uh, like I said, I, you know, I don't know specifically, honestly, about him to be honest. Like, you know, but I all I know is that he was a major player in getting us into Iraq. Like, he, 
was a part of that whole machine with Dick Cheney and whatnot. Oh man, imagine the I mean, imagine what the day's gonna be like when Dick Cheney dies. The amount of people wanting to dance over his fucking grave, my lord. I mean, you know, the, this was a, a presidential administration that I vaguely can recall. We were young yeah, we were uh, during really young. the Bush administration, but I do remember hearing these names, despite you know being you know in in fifth, sixth, seventh grade. During the majority of the Bush administration, Rummy. the height of it. Rummy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rummy, yeah, you got Rummy, you got Colin Powell, who Colin nowadays Powell. is actually taken a little bit more of a, at least during the the, the Trump administration, he was kind of citing more Democrats. Yeah, but he, but, but he, he's, but see, the, here's the thing under Trump, is that a lot of these like Bush era Republicans mm under Trump because Trump is just so fucking ridiculous and out there they came and fucking started chilling to the neolibs and being like oh they're resistance heroes they're the brave hey Colin Powell was always a neolib yeah he never wasn't a neolib yeah I know but I'm just saying like a lot of them get touted as, like, resistance heroes because they're conservatives who are being like, this isn't the conservative party that I remember. Well, you know, a, f- a famous incident that happened that I don't know how much Donald Rumsfeld was involved in this. With but the Scooter Libby. Yeah, the Scooter yeah. Libby and the leaking of that CIA operative yeah. to in order to basically get back at her husband, who was a journalist who published some you know, some articles critical of the Bush administration and their involvement in Iraq. And I believe Donald Rumsfeld, Cheney, Bush's cabinet played a big role in being like, let's leak this CIA operative's personal info in order to fuck with her husband. I'm sure. I'm sure he had some part in it, you know, but the, 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 honestly, like, but like that just, that's just like establishing like who he is. But like, but the, what I wanted to more talk about is like, you know, I've heard a lot of, you know, talking, you know, talking heads that I follow that, you know, have, you know, talked about this subject. And I I have mixed feelings about it because I do understand, like, I feel like death should be respected. Like, mm-hmm. that's one of those things where I'm just like, you know, even though like when a person dies, like I like, you know. I believe that a per like a person when they die they should be treated you know with a, dignity with dignity <laughs> but here's the thing though here's the thing though the guy was like responsible for for fucking deaths abroad that I mean that's case in point and you know and. You know, it's a little more different than the Rush Limbaugh situation because Rush Limbaugh was just a. Uh, uh, you know, conservative talk show, you know, radio show, talk show host. Um, and he was just spouting, you know, you know, obviously racist bullshit and fucking, um, he was riling up the white base of the Midwest. Yeah, basically he was, the, <laughs> he's the, he's Tucker. He was Tucker back then. Mm. You know, he's, well, he's the, you know. He's like what inspired. He was like a precursor, a proto, yeah, like a lot of the conservative online conservative pundits you have these days. I mean, straight up, the dude went online, and I mean, one of the the grossest things that I heard that he had done was that he had like a regular segment where he would cheers on the deaths of of people who had died of AIDS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the caliber person we're dealing with, right? So, so all that. Let's go back to your question. So, are you know, does the 
sins and acts of someone during their life, does that make it okay to be excited about their death, to take pleasure in their death, to revel in their death? Hmm. I think it is a blurry line. I think jokes, especially if you're a public figure, especially a political figure where your choices and things you've done have made have actual serious consequences and in the world. Cause misery. Yeah. I think, you know, it can't be helped. You're a public figure. This is America. It was just 4th of July. There's a f- certain amount of freedom of speech that should be applied here. People should be allowed to make their jokes. Yeah. People should be allowed to say, oh, ding dong, the witch is dead. Yeah. Post the doom meme where it's me in hell looking for Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> yeah, or uh, or the, the Nigeria, uh, Ghana says goodbye uh, <laughs> meme, you know. And, yeah, you know, I, I, I think... I think the, it's a little different when, like you said, you're an actual policymaker. Like Rush Limbaugh, he was just a, a you know, he was he was just a radio show host. I mean, he, Rush Limbaugh's actions did no, have no, they direct did. consequences. He did because he was basically just the the, you know, he was just touting all of these like you know, racist and just re- Republican rhetoric at the time, you know, he, he was the trendsetter for, you know, the, the average Republican basically, you know? Um, and I don't know. I, I just, uh, I think, yeah, the, you know, he's a piece of shit. And, and personally, am I happy that that guy's dead? I mean, like, no, I, I mean, I don't really care. I don't really <laughs> care to be honest. I had forgot about him until he yeah, died. Yeah. Straight up. And, um, the thing is, is that what I'm most, you know, is it was someone like Donald Rumfeld. It's not like I was counting down the days until he died, but, um, I was more so like when he did die, I was like, oh yeah, that fucking piece of shit. All right, good. And I know that's fucked up and my people might think that's fucked up, but I honestly feel like, all right, good, fine. You're finally fucking dead. Well, let me bring up an example of someone that wasn't an American and is objectively, um, because a lot of times with these political uh, people, uh, representatives in America, like obviously there's going to be people who have a different opinion than us saying, no, this was a great person. Let me give you one that's like pretty cut and dry. You won't find many people in America at least saying, oh, how dare you guys. It was when Os- I remember this one, Osama bin Laden, when he died mm-hmm. I was in high school. It was 2010, I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I do remember seeing a lot of stuff online, being like, you know, people reveling in Osama bin Laden's death, you know, taking pleasure in Osama bin Laden's death. And um, at the time, I remember, you know, I, uh, I was like, okay, I get it. But, like, I feel like there's... This is where the line, I think, is. I feel like... It's unhealthy for the individual to revel so so much in someone's death. Right. You know, um, be it be it um, Osama bin Laden to Rush Limbaugh to Donald Rumsfeld or anybody else in the world, politically or otherwise. I think the jokes are okay, the criticisms, valid criticism of someone's life are okay, but I think you risk poisoning your own mind in some way and poisoning yourself and kind of just becoming a little bit dwelling too much in the negativity of it of of it and you know harping too much on the death i think just could be just a little bit 
toxic for for your own mind state. Sure, you know? yeah, and like I said, it wasn't like you know this wasn't someone I actively thought about. Like you know, like God, I'd hope you. But you know, there was a certain like I'll be honest. Like when Trump contracted COVID, I was like, I hope that motherfucker dies. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I know that's fucked up, but that guy, he. I, I'm gonna be honest. The other guy, Trump. Hey, hot take. Trump, not a good guy. If people haven't guessed it, there's a little bit of a political slant on yeah, this. Show. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. If yeah. that's not obvious already. But you know, but the thing is, how would you feel if you died and you, in the other world, <laughs> saw people on planet Earth? Going, hey, Bosco's dead. Ding dong. Which here's, here's the thing. How would you feel? The hypothetical is that I don't think there's anybody who's ex- who's hoping for me to die. Mm. So it's kind of hard to prove because, like, if I had an how enemy, do you know? how do you know? I don't know if I had an enemy <laughs> who's like who's hoping. someone that would be far creepy. off that you've long forgotten yeah. about, just waiting me like I have Bosco one day. Yeah, he'll yeah. croak. <laughs> See, the thing is, I just I don't think I was any, that memorable. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, um, never know. Yeah, but um, I guess, you know, hypothetically, I guess I would just be happy that I brought joy to someone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because life is miserable. <laughs> I'd be happy that I brought joy a little bit of just, oh, nice, for <laughs> for someone. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I just think, at, you know, just at the end of it, I think there's a fine line, like I said, between making the jokes, you know, making the, the cr- critiques and, you know, taking a little bit of pleasure out of someone's death between that and then straight up just like basking and reveling in it, I think, kind of crosses that line where it's like, that's gross. Yeah. Give it up. Think about something else. You know, think about the living. <laughs> Spare that energy f- for people, for, for things that are more worthy rather than a dead person who can no longer affect us. But, okay, but I don't think there's anybody for most of these people who are, like, counting down for the days for them to be dead. But, like, let's talk about more so not the the thinking about it, but, like, why, like, is it, it, like, I know you're, like, okay, you know, I just write it, it's literally the day after 4th of July, you know, you know, freedom of speech, like you Mm. said. But, I don't know, is it, is it tacky? Is it's it, tacky. Yeah. I would say. I would say there is a I wouldn't, line. I wouldn't, a line will get crossed as tacky. Well, let's bring up our personal example about something yeah. that happened. Without mentioning names, we were in a, a private group chat between friends, yeah. and obviously we have friends who have differing political opinions. And when Rush Limbaugh died, um, it was the day before my birthday. Well, well con- um, con- context break. Z- Zach uh, and our uh, our Instagram. Was was it the Instagram? Group? Oh yeah, the Instagram. Yeah, I think it was the Instagram group. He likes to uh, he likes to keep the name topical, and you know it's like a little shtick that he yeah. likes to do. You know, he <laughs> change likes, it based change on like it what's up, going on, and you know, and uh, I remember I just got the notification that Zach had written "Good riddance, Rush Limbaugh." Good riddance, you know? Rush and, Limbaugh. <laughs> and I was like, the yeah, died, I, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing, though, is that like. This is like a private group, group like, and like, yeah, I would, I, I would be like, I was like, you know, I lulled at that for <laughs> sure, but like, you know, do I think it's wrong? 
No, because this is just a private group chat between us. We're not putting it out. We're not putting hate out into the mm-hmm. world. But we're just, like, kind of commenting and being honest with each other yeah. and being like, yeah, fuck this I didn't dude. think it was that offensive, but apparently it irked um, a, a member or two of this group chat, and they um, exited the group <laughs> Both this. of ours. And you know what's worse is... Uh, they, you know, we had made plenty of insensitive jokes before. In fact, plenty after the Kobe Bryant one, which oh, I would argue oh, is, no. is not, way not, no, worse. No, we won't bring it up. We way bring worse. It up. We I'm bring... gonna go ahead and say oh, after Kobe Bryant died, oh, I changed I, I the group chat name to Kobe's helicopter pilots. <laughs> oh, and no, but no one, no, that didn't cause a lot, a big stir up. That mean, I mean, there was no hardcore. I mean, there were, there's people in that group, you know, that I'm thinking about. Yeah, there's some Kobe I mean, supporters look, in there. But I mean, look. That I, one didn't cause as much of a stirrup as as the Rush Limbaugh thing, you know, which yeah. I think is weird. Kobe, I would was say. Was a beloved Yeah, person. is more beloved, has brought more joy and happiness and positivity into the world and has a greater positive effect on people than Rush Limbaugh has by miles. No, yeah, totally. And my Kobe joke, which I just made as, yeah. you know, a, a joke to just lighten the mood <laughs> yeah it, it, no let, let, let's be let's you be know, honest it didn't cause like, anybody even, no like, eyelashes were batted yeah. but rush limbaugh political yeah. figure and, and you know and if you asked us like personally we would be like you know when the day when kobe died that like that was uh you know felt for anybody you know even for even pe- people who didn't follow basketball like you know it reverberated his death reverberated in a positive for way. For sure, more tears fell for Kobe than yeah. Rush Limbaugh or Donald Rumsfeld combined. Yeah, yeah. You know, we use humor to make light of situations, whatnot. But, you know, th- that, no, no, no problems whatsoever, you know? But you make one comment about a giant piece of shit like Rush Limbaugh and then fucking. Everyone goes mad. Well, <laughs> for the record, I've learned my lesson, and I made no jokes about Run- Donald Rumsfeld. And then you changed the group's name to No Jokes About Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. That's was the follow-up. No joking about Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. And since then, I've refrained. I'll make the jokes in my head quietly to myself, so as not to fr- upset the delicate sensibilities of those in group chats or the greater world. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I, I don't... I, I don't have a... Personally, just to wrap this up, like, I don't have really a problem with it. Like, I don't... I don't put it out there. Like, I might have my own personal feelings, but I'll mostly likely just keep it to myself, you know, and just, you know... You know, the day George Bush dies, I'll be like... I'll be like... Well, he was funny, but he was a fucking piece can't of shit. Can't wait to see him in hell. <laughs> yeah, can't wait to see him in hell. Um, well, like I said, freedom of speech, baby. It was just 4th of yep, July. Hell yeah, You want to make your jokes about someone's death, go for it. Hell yeah, brother. All right, you want to move on to your uh, piece of news you've brought to the yeah, table today? Yeah, so um, in case you haven't noticed, um, I've... I fucking hate corporations. I hate most of them. I think they're they they encourage wanted destruction, not only in people's lives but in the environment, the world in general at large. Maybe we should change the name of this segment to Bosco's Weekly Corporate Slam Piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not a bad idea. But um, but yeah, you know, um, I absolutely, you know, I understand. You know, we we. We're in late stage capitalism, you know, 
you know, capitalism is a system under which we live in. But the problem is, is when capitalism starts to affect legislation and governmental action that I find the problem. And, you know, like I've said before with, you know, the tax, the tax, um, IRS statements from, uh, the ProPublica leak, you know, I, the thing is, is that it ultimately comes down to is like, okay, is it legal? Not really, but it's not explicitly said that it's illegal, right? So it's like kind of like a, like a gray area, right? Because I'm sure corruption, corruption is, is illegal, right? Governmental corruption, I'm sure that's illegal, but somehow, Oh, we pay, we pay certain senators to, you know, basically carry our water for us, you know, and, uh, protect our interests. And so Greenpeace UK, um, and their unearthed, I guess is which is they're like a investigative jur- journalism branch, I guess. Um, they, uh, UK, funny enough. I've run multiple stories from uh, outside the U.S. reporting, and I think that's kind of a, it's kind of a damning statement when when uh, countries abroad their journalism like you know their their journalists are basically being like, well, America's not fucking doing it, so we're, we're you know we gotta fucking do it. Well, so much of American journal mainstream American media works for the neoliberal machine. Oh yeah, discuss. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. So they don't bring up, they don't bring up topics that are damning or might be harmful to right. to business, the business sector. And America. the whole discussion becomes around revolves around trying to stop any progress being made. They're obstructionists. Anyway, um, so. There was a recent... Basically, they did uh, Greenpeace, the Unearth um, thing. UK. UK, yeah. Um, they uh, posed as, like, a headhunter, and they got a guy who was worked for the American Petroleum Institute. Um, a headhunter, as in they were seeking, like, potential employees for some nondescript business. Right, right, right. And, like, you know, because they had to kind of, like, go covert um, to try to, like... Because the the video that they got, uh, I, I recommend all of you to look it up. It's... I showed Zach it not the, you know, maybe a couple days ago. Um, it's, like, it's pretty... Like, it's all stuff that definitely you would assume... That's probably been going on, but just to hear someone say it out loud who's in a position where he knows the inner workings and what's going on, you know, it's, um, it's his story reminded me of a movie, Thank You for Smoking, which is, I, I love that movie, it's a great movie, um, and it reminded me of, like, how a lobbyist functions, right? Like, you know, that movie, the one thing is, is that it it gives you somewhat, you know, obviously it's a movie, but it gives you like some, like how, like, uh, like if a successful lobbyist would work, you know? That's definitely a movie we'll cover on one of our future Oh yeah, for sure. That, that's a good one. Um, so the American Petroleum Institute is like one of these companies that they're, 
basically like kind of like a shadow company to try and give legitimacy to uh basically run cover for Exxon. They're an operative group. Basically, but like political operative. Exactly. Group. Exactly. Um perhaps a think tank could also describe what they are too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's you know, uh take for example, so some of the stuff that mentioned in here. Um one thing I found interesting was, you know, they bring up certain t- topics like how does he stop any regulations from coming down on Exxon. And, uh, you know, one of the things he said is like, when Exxon gets asked, oh, what, what are, what do you support then to help with, uh, climate change? And they'll be like, oh, we support a carbon tax, right? Which is basically a tax on all, you know, usage of gas and whatnot. Mm. Anything that gives off carbon emissions. Right. But the thing is, is that a, a carbon tax is highly unpopular because basically it's a tax on basically everybody mm-hmm. and everyday putting below the poverty line. And, you know, then you're going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to do gas tax. Look, I, I think we definitely need to be doing something for the environment, like drastic changes. I don't know. I don't know what the answers are, but... It's in what I'm talking about is it's interesting how they maneuver through the political system. So basically, Exxon gets to go like, oh, we support this, but they do that. Uh, quote, nobody is going to propose a gas tax on, uh, on all Americans. And the cynical side of me is like, yeah, we know that they know that it will never get, get passed. They, and yeah, it's, passing something like that in America would be. Damn near impossible because the way public political discourse works is the business sector, the industry sector changes what would be basically a policy that's directed towards them and directed towards taxing them. And then they, through a series of political maneuvering, frame it as, oh, the government's coming after the individual. Right. It's, they're coming for the individual. They're going to tax you. They're going to make it harder for you to drive the cars you want to drive, to have the appliances you want, to use the energy you want. Really, right, but they I basically think- know they know it's a non-starter. They mm-hmm. use it as a like kind of a like a token, a token gesture towards helping towards you know global warming mm-hmm. and you know reducing emissions. Well, they say yeah, that's why they say it out front because the goal of of the in, in, in industry and business sector in politics is to frame regulations or policy that would be aimed at them and then turn around and be like, oh, the, everybody needs to do their part. They make it and like the individuals are responsible. That's why like, you know, you get all these half-assed ones like the plastic straws or, you know, telling people to take shorter showers. It's changing the responsibility from industry to individual. The, the burden, burden of responsibility should be on the private sector, business, and industry. But, but they change it to make it look like it's going to be levied against the individual. But here's the thing is that it, it, it doesn't matter because they're just – they're saying whatever they need to say, right, to appease governmental bodies so that governmental bodies feels like, see, we, we got them to support a, ga- a, a carbon – you know what I mean? It's a token, like I said. Um – but the the craziest thing about this was was there was a uh, um 
you know, oh yeah, you remember that one part where he's like, oh yeah, we did we join shadow groups? Yes. Did <laughs> did did we actively argue against science? Yes. <laughs> it's like, hey, I don't think you should be admitting that. But again, it's under the guise of being headhunted. So this guy's just spilling spilling beans. Whenever you're admitting that you worked with shadow organizations, yeah. I feel like you're basically admitting you're the villain in the story. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, no hero works with a shadow group. Yeah, you're, you're a piece of shit. So what this comes down to... Uh, the, the, the biggest thing in my perspective that gets talked about in this, um, this story is, um, there's a chemical out there. They call it forever chemicals, but they're really called PFAs. And no, I didn't write the, what the long name of it, but they're called PFAs. You can look it up. But one of the main uses is as a firefighting foam in military installations, right? And the reason why they're called forever chemicals is because what they do is they never break down in the environment. So forever. Mm. Yay. <laughs> but the biggest problem with these is that they, when they would, when there would actually be fires or they were doing a drill and they would wash it all away, that would just get right into the water supply and PFAs we're known, you know, name it, cancer, birth defects. It's basically yeah. the effects of carcinogens. Mm-hmm. Um, and when so, you go into a restaurant, you see that sign that says chemicals are used here, known to the state of California to produce birth defects and carcinogenic properties, blah, blah, blah. Right, exactly. And one of the admissions he made that was so damning was he said... If members of Congress started saying Exxon is poisoning our waterways, the debate is over. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, you know, but the thing is, is that they're trying their hardest to make Exxon is on through the API, the American Petroleum Institute, is using is using that to to st- basically not get out that they were making this these pfas right and they want it and i i I heard they said it's like look it's not like the biggest a big part of their business but it's about an 800 million dollar business so it's enough to be like all right well you know what's going on here Mm. (laughs) you know i mean you're not gonna just let 800 million you know like an 800 million dollar product you know just be like well let's listen we gotta we gotta milk this dry a little bit so they basically wanted to get lobbyists to stop getting the word out that Exxon made it, right? They And then what they did was is they lobbied the government um, for a study, a long-term study on the effects of toxic chemicals in order to stop regulations. Because it's like, okay, before they know regulations are coming down, what they'll do is, is they'll be like, hey, we want to study on this to uh, postpone, right? Um, the words I wrote down is delay, deny, def- distract. Hmm. That is their main objective, right? When it comes to environmental damage and climate right, change. Right, right. On behalf of, you know, any company, really, but in particular, ExxonMobil. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it, it and Biden earmarked it 
Annabelle. I don't know if it went through, but it said in the article it did. But um, it was about a $75 million study into the, the research of the... And so it's like they, they got what they wanted, right? They got... They bought some more time being able to use these PFAs, right? And uh, what's really interesting, you know, on kind of like a side a side note, is that within the company, uh, there was more uh, pressure to have more uh, more ethical people on the board of directors and have more. Uh, you know, it came from their their shareholders, right? Um, basically like activist hedge funds and, uh, uh, you know, and they pushed for new board members. And the thing is, is that Exxon tried to heavily go against that, but they ended up, the shareholders ended up getting somebody who they felt was a little bit more ethical onto the boards, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Right. So a little bit of like an internal struggle there. Right. So the, the, the thing that made me fucking mad was when he was when he started talking about okay so how do we get the specific senators how do we get them to help us out so what they do is they target senators who are up for re-election right and uh you know the names included Mark Kelly Kristen Cinema both from Arizona mm-hmm. who who known uh, John Tester, there's some other names, but the biggest name they mentioned was Joe Manchin. And Joe Manchin, if you don't know, he's, uh, you know, his name has been thrown around a lot recently in the Biden administration. And basically, he's a, he's a right-leaning Democrat, basically, you know, but he, the argument that they make is that a, a full-on lefty Democrat couldn't win in West Virginia and that someone like Joe Manchin could, you know, someone who's a little bit more conservative. But so the Democrats find him useful because it's like, oh, we, we got the we got to mark that as a D, mm-hmm. you know, that seat is a D. But the thing is, is that Joe Manchin gets to play this game where he he like, you know, he's bu- buddy, buddy with you know conservatives and big business and one of the things this guy said was he was like oh yeah he wasn't shy about it joe manchin he had an open door policy and we were basically able to get you know get with him and whatever we wanted and it's just and right now joe biden trying to get that infrastructure deal passed and a, a, a very smaller bill Right, because Joe Biden wants to use the corporate tax rate to help pay for this, this infrastructure. infrastructure okay. Right, and it helps uh, with making uh, more green jobs, whatnot. There's some good stuff in this bill. But the thing is, is that he's basically, he gets to be the obstructionist because there's a 50-50 split in the Senate. And a state where, um, a little bit of a side tangent, but a state that has a long history uh, being, of, of being, being exploited... Yeah. Of being exploited by industry, West Virginia has a oh, long yes, yes, yeah. history With the of coal being ex- miners, yeah, yeah. exploited by the mining industry, and has a long history of either um, workers addiction. not being protected by the industry they're working for, and the industry openly damaging the environment in that right. state without yeah, they, little push. They did that, very that little mountaintop pushback. removal yeah. shit there, yeah. 
So is is Appalachia in West Virginia? Yeah, part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I just the the whole thing with this argument is that with this whole article, I I, I just find it, it it feel like the more th- things you hear from scientists is like we need to do something now. They're like, we're past, like, you know, these small little things. We need to do big measures, big changes, big changes to the infrastructure. And one of the interesting things he mentioned was, it's like, we have the discussion around why we can't, we can't change our system to electric. You know I mean? We can't change to electric cars within the 10 years, right? And they have the discussion about how they can't do that within 10 years. And that basically delays, you know, any changes from happening. It delays it. You just go like, oh, well, you know, we can't change our, our the electric grid to not run on gas, you know? But the thing is, is that we got to fucking try. We gotta fucking try, and if we want to live in a livable, you know, on a livable planet, and I just find it so fucking, it's so fucking infuriating that basically companies get to just make a mockery, mockery of democracy. So, if I'm getting this right, the gist of this story is basically. Through this expose piece Greenpeace UK did, they got this former Exxon Mobil executive or director of some kind right. to basically admit that they gamed the political system through a series of lobbyists to impede and and delay any type of climate change policies that right. would hinder their business while at the same time presenting a public-facing front you refer to it as like a token of saying yeah like we support green the carbon tax green yeah carbon tax and and you know green energy and we are here to all help work towards um you know a more sustainable future that's less damaging to our environment and if i remember clear correctly in the video the guy says you know you present a face to the public but behind closed doors the opposite is true right Right. So and you know and one of the things he's he said in that vid, that same video the, the there's like a bunch of clips of him from this from this uh interview well, it was more like a a fake job interview. Um and uh one of the things he said that I thought was interesting is that he said, you know, in order to get something really done, we need some brave politicians and we know that doesn't exist. Yeah. So and basically, that, they rely on on the political system and exploit it, knowing that pol- senators, congressmen that may be up for re-election, that they can exploit these politicians um, by threatening their seats in order to get them basically to work in the interest of the petroleum industry. So, I, I, nothing about this story is surprising. Like, a lot of it of is, like, not. done. It's and this has been done. This you... has been done throughout history. This was oh, yeah. done by the tobacco industry. You mentioned BP. thank you for smoking. This has been done. The tobacco industry, for years, lobbied and, and, and did everything they could to stop, censor, and impede any scientific release telling Hi, you that hey pregnant woman do you want to yeah. you want to smoke <laughs> <laughs> that smoking was bad for you so it's basically dude, the same thing the dude. tobacco industry did in the mid 20th century just now with with and you know 
environmental and, and climate change related issues. This is how crazy it was back then. You bring up tobacco. They were trying to sell cigarettes as an empowering uh, feminist thing to smoke. Mm, they also sold it yeah. as an anxiety reliever. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I, I also... I th- I don't know if this is bullshit, but I think there's a story about Teddy Roosevelt where th- his doctor told him, like, as a young kid that he needed to smoke cigarettes. Well, uh, again, with, you know, I think a lot of parallels can be drawn between the tobacco industry, how they acted in the mid-20th century, to how petroleum and various energy act now. Um, industries act now, in that, like, even back then, they did try and present, like, a they put a lot of it on the consumer. They put a lot of it in the, on the individual saying, you know, it's the individual's responsibility, not our of responsibility. Course. Do you know, deflect the responsibility, like you said, delay, deflect. And also to try and put forward this nice public face, but being like, oh, we put filters on our cigarettes, which pretty much did nothing. Nothing. But we, but we put fi- filters on our cigarettes. We give money to cancer research, mm, whatever it may be. Yes. You know, they did the same thing. And, but beca- behind closed doors, they're, they're in support of none of it that they say publicly. Oh, of course not. You know, so it's, it's basically just industry doing what they do, you know, to yeah, exploit the American political system, put deflect responsibility to the individual and the consumer and behind closed doors work against um scientific studies work against public interest essentially right right and i don't know i just i find this disturbing as someone who who really doesn't want the environment to be destroyed i think most of us don't and you know the thing the thing that's crazy is that these these corporations basically twist the narrative to the point where average, you know, you know, conservative, more more conservative leaning folk, um, they, you know, they basically defend the destruction. I remember my uncle when talking about when Biden said that he was going to stop the I for, was it the Keystone pipeline. I forget which pipeline is one of one of them, mm-hmm. but it was like a, 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 I think it was, a, I think it was in Alaska. I think it was the Keystone. Um, and I remember my uncle said, he's like, he's like, Hey, the pipeline up there in Alaska, the animals, they huddle around it for warmth. Huh? That's, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like they, and that, that is so asinine. That, that argument is just fucking asinine as hell. And it, like I said, and it's just... The thing is, is that I think some... Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think uh, there ha- there's going to be a massive environmental event that's going to force us to be like, see, we should have been paying attention, and then, then it'll be too late. You know? That's my... That's the fear that keeps me up at night. Wow. And stories like these only shine more light on that. <laughs> Alright, you ready to move on to the shame segment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, shame. 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 Shame on shame you. On you. Shame. Alright. <laughs> okay, our, our, um, the, the, uh, shame, the people will be shaming this week. Um, centers around a developing story, a story that's caught a lot of attention online, 
but it's about uh, FaZe Clan. Uh, Bosco, if you remember, I was a part of FaZe hey, Clan when I was a pro Call of Duty up. player. Shut the Back fuck in my up. younger days, now retired. Shut the I fuck used to quickscope Bosco, both oh, online sure. and in person, sure, okay. daily. Um, right. <laughs> so, the FaZe Clan, most well-known for their Call of Duty, um, where they got their start, you know, producing Call of Duty videos and being a pro Call of, competitive Call of Duty team... You know, nowadays they have a a lot of people working under them, mostly most of them influencers. They live at the FaZe Mansion where they drive um, luxury cars and show off flashy Bugatti, jewelry Bugatti, Bugatti, and Bugatti. <laughs> expensive clothing in their videos. And um, they're, they have a large fan base, mostly young men, young boys. Um and um so most recently there they um there was this cryptocurrency scam that they participated in in fact as of recording this four members of FaZe Clan are accused of being party to what they would call a pump and dump scheme um mm, of an, sounds hot one of them was dropped FaZe K was dropped entirely <laughs> Yeah. From uh, FaZe Clan. Well, Bro. three other members have been suspended as of right mm. now. So, you know, for those who don't know what a pump and dump is, since cryptocurrency has gained so much popularity, um, you know, just to explain real quick what a pump and dump is. Basically, with cryptocurrencies, these altcoins, um, they basically... You still holding um, Doge? I'm still holding Doge. <laughs> 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 but basically, they will... Um, what they call a whale, someone will have a, a large amount of coins, multiple people right. will have a large amount of coins, try and push the coin heavily online. That's through, how, that's how a lot of know, these, how, how a lot of these, um, these like shit coins start. Yeah. Right. It's like, they, it's, it's only like a couple people holding a majority and, of the coins. you know, the power of the meme and the power of, of the <laughs> algorithm, as we've discussed, plays a big role in the pump and dump, you know, the rocket emojis, the moon emojis. Mm -hmm. Oh, to the moon. The coin in this case Everything is, gets is actually hilarious in its ir irony. Yeah. It's called Save the Kids. Save the Children. <laughs> and they actually presented it as a charitable mm -hmm. endeavor in that you you get to you get to buy Save the Kids. Mm. So you're helping the kids. Mm. Which kids they are, we don't know. <laughs> is this go is the money going to UNICEF? Is yeah. it going to children in, in in America? We don't know who these kids it's are. It's going <laughs> it's going to the kids of these streamers. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, so they advertise this altcoin called Save the Kids as this new upcoming new doge, whatever. Well, if I, the if new if I were... Bitcoin, baby. Well, what I, what I, what I remember from the, uh, from what I've seen and there's a video done by, uh, what's the guy's name again, Zach? Oh, Coffeezilla. Coffeezilla. Shout out to him. He did a great piece he did of a investigative great, oh, man, journalism. Man, I love, I love it when someone does a deep dive into yeah, shit like that. He investigated yeah. it himself yeah, and yeah. was able to get some of the creators well, on, one, one on of, the phone. One of the things that he said was that... Um, that when they get sold, there's like a 3% transaction fee mm -hmm. where like one goes to a charity and then like one goes to like, they had it split up where like, oh, one goes to the company, you know, one goes, anyway, it doesn't matter. But they were like, they were like saying, oh yeah, we're just making transaction fee money. Right. Go on. Um, yeah. So, um, for the record, 
phase organization itself denies any knowledge of this. Of course. We don't know how much... Yeah, should, Exxon, uh, did, Exxon denied any knowledge of the fucking <laughs> P- PFAs and fucking, you know, a lot of shit, all right? Phase and Exxon Mobil, two rotten fruit of the same branch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, recently there's been this rumor that online in the past couple days, I think this a streamer that goes by the name Destiny was saying that, oh, FaZe is definitely aware of, uh, of what their um, influencers are doing. Um, so the project was also, even the, even to give it more of a tinge of irony, it was touted the these influencers, which included FaZe K and some of his cohorts, Jarvis, Nikon, and Tico, as oh, well as the most, one of the most annoying YouTubers Rice of all gum. time. <laughs> Rice cum. Rice cum. The biggest, cum. one of the biggest hacks on the internet. Oh, yeah. And will be remembered throughout history as a, as a massive hack. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was also a part of, the, there was that, um, there was that one scam where uh, I think like uh, Jake Paul oh, is in on it. involved in other Yo, yeah, No, he has. And the, the one w- I, I'm thinking of is, uh, there was like this loot box thing, right? Where it was called like mysterybox.com. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was basically like the, the, the prizes that they had promised. So, like, one was like a Lamborghini, like, you know, and basically mostly everyone a got Lamborghini like. A Lamborghini in a loot box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be insane to believe that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like. Or a kid. Or a 15 year old boy who wants a Lamborghini. Yeah, We've exactly. You know, it. it, it <laughs> It's like, oh, well, these kids, you know, they um, buy shit through microtransactions online all the time. So why wouldn't they buy, you know, an online generated loot box? And they would make these videos where they're like, oh, no, I got new AirPods. No way. A lot of these videos of these influencers that are involved in this scam revolve around flaunting wealth, flaunting luxury we had cars selling clothing, a dream jewelry. everyone's selling yeah. a dream they a lot of their bit revolves it's less about the video games these days and more about the personality advertising Kids essentially flaunting they don't even 360 no scope like they I used know. to what happened to the good old days 360 no scope and some noobs on yeah, the afghan well, yeah well uh well uh let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> or or some song by lincoln park any of them you'll take <laughs> do you remember when i hit that quad headshot on high rise no you were there you no were, you were one of the victims that's why it's selective memory shut up anyway go on <laughs> so <laughs> so basically one thing they flaunted about this coin to add on to the irony of this whole fuckery was that they flaunted that this coin had anti-well, anti-pump-and-dump measures in the fact that they claimed that the coin could only be sold at, like, you could only sell about 20% of your current... Every 24 hours. Yeah, every 24 hours. When CoffeeZilla went and did his investigation, he found that when this coin was made public, last minute they switched it to something like every 20 minutes. No, no, it was every minute. Every minute. It was every, <laughs> every minute. Every minute you could sell. Every minute. So basically you could just sell off as quick as you wanted to. Right. And basically when this coin went public, that's exactly what these guys did. They sold almost and immediate the, tenth of a cent yeah. to almost a full cent where it was then dumped by K and Ricegum and these other influencers. And the way they found this out is because because of these uh, wallets 
being, you know, they're they're available online but through the blockchain, through the blockchain, whatever, you know. We're not much. We're not super. Hello, fellow said. kids. <laughs> um, this is tech stuff. Yeah, but we never took a computer science class. No, in our life. no, no, <laughs> no. I just look at the computer and hope things happen. Um, that's why this podcast sounds terrible. It's because I'm I'm learning. I'm learning myself how to do it. All right, um, but you know, I, I it's just it's just so shitty. It's so shitty. You know. The fact that their wallets are online and people can see them, it made it easier for the CoffeeZilla guy. It was guy. clear to see that this coin was filled with whales right. waiting to dump. Every countermeasure that they promised when you bought this coin, it was literally a trap. It was it was like a trap ready for to gather the masses of, let's be honest, young men buying up this coin because they like FaZe Clan. And FaZe Clan tells them that this is the going to the moon murder, you know, and, to the moon. and then, you know, they get him in the room and literally pull the medical metaphorical rug out from under them. Hey, fly me and to the moon. The, the original whales and promoters mm. of the coin who got the coins early and for free, I believe. Um, got, got made out big and everybody else was left holding the metaphorical bag, you know, losing money, losing money because now this, the coin is less than a 10th of a penny, which, um, I don't even think could have bought you an ice cream in 1835. So no, no, but it can buy you a really filthy hooker. It says, uh, (laughs) um, one thing I read online was that K dumped almost all tokens immediately after they yeah. started they, they the the coin went live and a lot of these people rice gum included have since deleted any tweets about any coin so uh, one thing i think we should throw shame onto is this um greater community of online influencers most of them um oddly enough because i've seen them on some of my twitter back when i was into gaming i you know still follow some of my favorite online gaming personalities and a lot of them not all of them but a lot of them when the crypto coin boom started a few mm-hmm. months ago all of a sudden out of nowhere i'd never seen them tweet about crypto everyone once. became an expert yeah they all became and you know you go and look at all their bios now and they have this pretend legal defense screen on that says quote not, not financial, financial advice, advice. Yeah, not a financial advisor. Yeah, like but, like like, like that's, that's gonna, gonna fucking be, stop anybody. <laughs> that's yeah. the shield. Uh, your honor, in the tweet, I did write. This is not financial <laughs> advice. So. As I gave out tons of financial advice to easily duped young people online, yeah. you know. So I think there is a greater shame going on here, not just within Phase Clan and Rice Gum and phase k these few influencers but everybody online that has decided overnight that they see the quick quick and easy money that could possibly lie in cryptocurrency all of a sudden becoming experts on the subject going from essentially laymen having no idea what how it works or anything about it to go i still into, don't know how it works yeah well basically becoming overnight experts with uh, overnight and and then peddling this stuff online peddling this what is in most cases there no, none of these coins are going to amount to anything bitcoin is leading the charge and will probably remain the largest competitor after or next to ethereum but other than that 
none of these coins are really going to do anything. They're not going to make you rich. It's all just it's all just a way for you, people to make quick money that. by duping you. They wanted they yeah. dupe you. They dupe people online, and, and it's just about exploiting the system. None of this is going to become the thing that's the thing that's gross. More so about that is like yeah, they they're exploiting the system, but more importantly, they're exploiting their their fucking fans. Like the the people who are like, hey, I like rice gum. Which if you do, you need to rethink some things. Um, but you follow any of these guys, you like them. You, these young kids, like you said, most of them, you know, their followers are these young kids, and. To exploit them like that. And the payday. Talk about the payday. The payday, like, you know, they can't give an exact number. But in the video they said, it, I, I watched, they it, they said it was around 30000 of about $40,000. Hmm. Just yeah, to, 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 cat, to, to, to show your ass that much. Yeah. And it, it basically a- put yourself at risk. For for I mean it's still a lot of money, but for these people like you said who are like ex- flaunting like oh I'm wealthy I'm on my jet I'm driving a Lambo whatever I'm sure working for Phase Clan is a lot more lucrative than just a quick thirty thousand right but I think it speaks to like a greater thing is that like it's never enough money. Well, it, these in, being an influencer is a straight up hustle. Let's it is. be honest. It's a grift. It's all about getting quick money, quick and easy money through the internet, using the internet to exploit people, young people most of the time. It's who most influencers are targeted at. You know, using that as a way to, as a hustle to get quick and easy cash. And I think that these guys just got a little greedy. They got a little ahead of themselves mm-hmm. and, and, and thought they could get away with it. You know, so a lot of this... Man, for the isn't record, that American? Is, isn't that is, American? <laughs> a lot of this is alleged. Um, Phase K and Rice Gum all deny that they knew that this was what it was. Of course Phase they Phase K said something along the lines of, I had no ill intent in promoting these crypto altcoins. I was naive and I thought we all had a chance to make money. I didn't know. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know what's going oh, on. I, I just was I trying to help. I don't remember. You know, they're just playing dumb. You know what you were doing. You knew from the start. Don't you play so dumb. You got caught. Yeah. You got caught. But allegedly, they're all going to sit there and pretend uh, yeah. like they're just, you know, trying to get everybody rich. We know that's never going to happen. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but I think... What would be best for society as a whole is if, basically, we didn't have influencers at all. <laughs> yeah, but, like, but like celebrity is, like, it's, you know... When was the last time, like, a movie star was trying... I guess they do peddle things, but, like, when was do. the last time a movie star was trying to peddle you some weird, like, alternative currency? At, at, <laughs> you know, it's... Okay, maybe not that, but... If if you look abroad, you will find like famous movie actors like even Leo, mm-hmm. Leo. All right, that's who we're talking about here. Like he did like a whole series of commercials in Japan for a credit card. Well, <laughs> again, with, with influencers like we mentioned, but in they're a they're they're, shows they're, ago. Like a, they're like a bastardized version of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like they don't offer a lot in terms of like nothing of substance. Yeah, like at least with a a. a a good actor or a good musician, you can say that there is value that they produce in the art they create. So much of these influencers, it's meaningless content. Boring. 
I mean, maybe it's not boring in the moment, but it's forgettable. It's forgettable. It's meaningless. It holds very little value. It's all about the quick views, the quick bucks, and and just getting as many followers as you can, and and just hoping that you can exploit your fan base, be it through the accepted way, which is just garnering tons of sponsorships, or the more shady way, and in selling the new you the better. new hustle cryptocurrency and altcoins you better not you better not jeopardize my g fuel sponsorship oh we, we right. g fuel sponsorship got, incoming baby. listen listen <laughs> i have the g fuel butt plug slow drip all right and the, it's and in right now it's in right now and it gives me a nice slow release of g fuel right into the system so basically yeah. what we're saying is buy our new bosco coin that bosco is about to coin, go into yeah. the market it's going to charity it's going it's to, going to charity the charity being bosco Bosco's wallet. And Bosco's wallet. <laughs> to add to his vinyl collection. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, you know, so it's a good cause, and you can buy the coin, and we'll go to the moon together. We'll ride I'll, the rocket ship I'll, to the moon. Yeah. Just post those emojis. Keep posting them. Keep retweeting. Keep yeah. believing. Or if you just want to send money straight to my cash app, you know, it's Bosco at 6969. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. You want to you wanna talk about uh, the other thing you brought today? Okay. The, the final about- segment of this show, the conspiracy theory <laughs> slash mystery slash oddity um, that, um, of the week. Um, do you have a little intro for that? Where we're going... We won't need roads. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like that. So this one this week, since um, uh, we'll want to keep it keep this segment um a little bit varied. Um, um, uh, earlier this week I was uh browsing um TikTok, and I came across video of a alleged time traveler, a guy claiming. To be from 3036, mm-hmm. and um, in doing my research, I later found that this is uh, that these clips were from a uh, semi-fictional documentary. I'm gonna assume of like okay. uh, the man from the future, visions from 3036, something like that, in which this guy says, "I've traveled from 3036, no reason given," <laughs> um, <laughs> and he has basically apocalyptic predictions. Every um. Of the future. Man, he chose 2021? Uh, yeah, to come back to, oh, to give okay. apocalyptic predictions about 3036. Um, you know, but it opened up, um, what I found was a whole uh, trend, a whole uh, subcategory, genre, if you want to call it that, on TikTok of alleged time travelers. Mm. Um, one user I found who goes by the name Javier claims to be from... Not the not so distant future of 2027, where he claims he is the sole surviving member of the human race. <laughs> no humans are left on he the just, planet. He just he booked it for the the and, nearest time travel station, and he just was like, "I gotta make it. I'm the last one." So basically, in the next six years, we'll have time travel, and also the entire human race will go extinct, according to Javier. And he's on a journey to find. Any remaining person. Well, thank left God, alive. thank God for Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, because then we'll get to space. So, unfortunately for Javier, um, by the time I came across his videos, it seemed that he had been already debunked because he had made in a prediction for early May of this year, saying that scientists on Earth would discover a Earth-like planet somewhere in our solar system. I'm guessing similar to the uh, to the old early 2000s 
uh, Nibiru-like planet, Nibiru. something along along those lines. Um, obviously, early May came and went. No discovery of such happened, unless you really believe that they it did happen and they're hiding it, perhaps. Um, and then Science. he goes on to make a few other apocalyptic predictions that would take place over the course of the next six years, ranging from massive earthquakes to uh, mass power outages to potential nuclear war. Well, there has been actually a lot of power outages in Texas. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, power outages are bound to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is another one, a more popular time traveler on TikTok that goes by the very creative username authentic time traveler <laughs> oh see see <laughs> see you know what the other guy i wasn't feeling javier but this guy he's authentic well authentic does, time traveler says he's from 25 wait does he have a blue check mark <laughs> i know i wasn't paying that close of attention to <laughs> but he claims he's from 25 i just want to know how official he is okay he's i'm just asking all right i want to uh, know his credentials i want to know i want i, I look I need credibility in my time travelers because you're coming at me with a real wacky theory, all right? Like either you, you need at least a, an authentic <laughs> check mark, all right? Well, I would say that um, maybe take all these time travelers with a grain of salt, but perhaps no, not. No. Authentic time traveler claims he's from 2582. Again, he goes into making bold apocalyptic predictions about future cataclysmic events. That will take place in the uh, near future. Um, you know, so I find this interesting because the theme of a t alleged time traveler coming to our time to tell us of some upcoming um, de devastating apocalyptic-like event is nothing new. This isn't a new phenomenon on TikTok. This has happened before. And um, it's always interesting, you know, these time travelers come on, they make, um, I feel like they're a little preemptive with their assumptions. I feel like they would do themselves a little bit better justice to put some of their predictions really far out there. So past anyone who's living, because then the time comes and goes and you're like, okay, nothing happened. I got was full of shit. But to leave people, like to put it like 100, 200, 500 years in the future, it could leave everybody guessing for for oh, at yeah. least the next 500 years. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, you've even seen it in movies. Like, I think we've passed the year in Blade Runner. Have we? I think we have, yeah. I thought it was 2049 was... or something. No, that's the sequel. Oh, that's the new one. That's the sequel. No, uh, in Blade Runner, I think it was like 2015, yeah. I think. Like, yeah, like... Well, that, I mean, that's a movie. At, at the end of the day, these are fun things to engage with maybe and maybe like there's some merit to the predictions and just saying hey like you know the world could be poised for some type of environmental disaster or some type of economic or global collapse of some kind you know stuff like that's possible you know so maybe people use this as a tool to just kind of a hey check yourselves like you know it's it's a hoax but people are maybe coming at it with a grain of truth to say, hey, you know, possibly something bad could happen if we don't readjust our current trajectory in the world. Um, so, um, well, when I found these time travelers on TikTok, it reminded me of a famous one, perhaps the most famous alleged time traveler. Um, he went by the name John Titor. John Titor? I don't know how to pronounce it. He originally gained traction through the old radio show Coast to Coast. 
Legend. Um, the, but the John Teeter story is pretty fascinating and is perhaps the most famous example of Teeter. a time traveler coming into current, quote-unquote, current times to make some apocalyptic predictions about the near future and say, hey, we need to change our ways or else, you know, we're headed towards disaster. So, Tito originally appeared on a bulletin-style forum, online forum in the early 2000s, in the year 2000. He originally did not title himself John Titor. He just went by Time Traveler, literally the name Time Traveler. Time God. My Time name Traveler. is Time God. Kronos the Magnificent. <laughs> Kronos. We are Legion. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was posting to a, a message board that was dedicated to time traveling and kind of made an illusion or brought up that he was familiar with time travel technology, obviously to spark the interest of a bunch of nerds hanging out on a time travel forum being like, wait a second, you're aware of time travel technology? <laughs> <laughs> the, the people who hang out in a time travel forum, man, I would, I would in like to do- In the early 2000s. In the early 2000s. In 2000, <laughs> late 90s, I would, I would love, I would love to see how those guys turned out. <laughs> There's like, well- um, John Teeter would bring his um, his claims to um, Art Bell's message board, where he would take on the uh, the moniker of John Teeter. And, and the and the, sorry, just real quick, the beauty the beauty of Art Bell that the the one thing I love about him is that someone would always come at him with some crazy explanation and like what I'll think of example he's like, all right, so you're a werewolf, so uh, so what's that like? What's going on? Right? He. He like yes ands them into their madness, and you know what? But he's like he's he's a polite guy. Well, yeah, it's it's how you get the fun out of it. Yeah, that's so how. You, that's this, that's why his show is so brilliant. Yeah, it, it's not necessarily stuff to be taken necessarily seriously. No, just no, almost for the fun of it and the art of it. Um, I'll get back to that though. Um, but basically, John Tudor claimed he was a member of the U.S. military. Um, and he was sent back in the year 2036, sent back on a government, military-based mission. And he was actually not s supposed to be stopping in the year 2000. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> he was supposed to be going to 1975. Um, but he had stopped in 2000 for personal reasons. His personal reasons being that because the world had been destroyed in his time, he wanted to come back to talk to... Uh, family members and to gather personal family relics and photos that he and that you had. You want to come? You're gonna time travel and come back and uh, see he your came family. Back for sentimental reasons. Oh, dude, that, what a dildo! They had, they had been destroyed <laughs> in the uh, upcoming nuclear war that obviously <laughs> never transpired. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think there's if I'm if I'm time traveling back, I think there's bigger fish to fry than to see what my family's up to. <laughs> uh, okay, listen to this. His mission assigned him by the government as he took his little detour on his very very important military journey <laughs> mission was he was his his uh, uh assignment was to go to 1975 to retrieve an IBM computer that was necessary for the government because they were having some type of legacy based issues with their computers and they needed this computer from 1975 this IBM computer to in order to like reboot their systems or something in some way the one interesting thing in this story is that john tudor had revealed specifics about this computer that was not public knowledge so mm. this is the one thing that he had that led credence to him a lot of people would later assume that the guy that made this story 
was a, a computer expert of some kind, and that's how he knew this information. But he did provide some details that was not common knowledge, which is the one interesting thing about his claim. Um, so John Teeter goes on to warn of a disease that spreads through beef products and a civil war erupting in the U.S., that um, begins in the year 2004. So, obviously, you guys remember the Great Civil War of 2004. Oh, yeah. Um, interesting We're enough, refugees of that war. <laughs> um, he said that this Civil War began over a dispute about the 2004 presidential election that led to um, civil unrest and eventually a civil war. That the results of the 2004 election, presidential election, were in dispute leading to civil unrest hmm. and eventually to a civil war. That so. never happened. <laughs> civil unrest? No way. Um, so What's next? You're going to tell me that some Jagovs are going to go and storm the Capitol now? So, you know, <laughs> he would say that um, this civil unrest would lead to a civil war, um, which would also become a nuclear war within America. It's unclear if it was within just contained to America or that it was a worldwide civil war. But he said, basically, at this point, most of the U.S. major cities have been destroyed, including Washington, D.C., and the new, new U.S. capital is in Omaha. <laughs> mm. So, uh, Omaha. Yeah, well, Omaha wasn't destroyed. Um, so, well, I so, mean, if global warming's happening, I guess Omaha could have some beachfront property. <laughs> some details Tidor provided about his time machine was, uh, he, quote, called it a stationary mass temporal displacement unit powered by two top spin dual positive singularities whatever mm. that means <laughs> no, I, I, this, I, you know what? this is starting to make a lot more sense now john teeter also claimed that his device was installed onto a back of a 1990 1966 corvette <laughs> and then hey, the man's got style the man's got style his 1966 corvette is essentially his time machine i wonder where he got that from a time traveling i mean look let's be wow. honest that car sounds way more bitchin' than the fucking DeLorean. <laughs> a car literally maimed by a fucking maniac. <laughs> so, um, you, you know about that whole story, right? The whole story of John DeLorean? I won't get into it, but it's a very interesting story. You should definitely look it up. That guy was a nut job. Anyway, go on. So, that's the most, that's about the extent of most of John Tudor's claims. He would go silent after 2001, 2002. Obviously, 2004 would come and go, no civil war erupted, no mass disease spread, and unless he was off by a little bit. <laughs> but anyways, I have no idea what you're most of his predictions would not come true. But in a little bit of a contingency plan, Tidor, I don't know if this was Tidor himself that claimed this, or that believers of John Tidor's story um, put forward this theory, but they said... That um, John Tidor or others would claim that that the reason his predictions, as, as kind of a failsafe to his predictions not coming through, was that either the technology John Tidor used made him not only a time travel time traveler, but a universe traveler. That he was actually from a, a different universe mm. that was a parallel universe where he had been, through his time travel technology hadn't traveled back in time in his own universe, but had shifted universe through some quantum, uh, quantum mechanics. Shifting, he quantum yeah. shifted. Um, they call it the many worlds in um, inter interpretational theory that 
Also, he claimed that because he was back in time, that the way the multiverse works is a series of branching paths, and that because he had been gone back in time, butterfly effect style, and that he had alerted this to us, it shifted our universe onto a different path, one that John Tudor was not from. Maybe he was from our original universe, the one he that he time-traveled back in, but when he came back and made these claims, his actions, his his things he said, his claims shifted our universe onto a different trajectory, different mm. than the one he was from. And therefore, his predictions never came true because him voicing these predictions shifted our universe onto a different timeline where those where that is not the reality. But perhaps, perhaps John Theodore was telling us the truth. And through this action, maybe he really was, the government knew this, and they sent him back to shift our universe onto a different pair. Maybe he didn't know, or maybe, you know, maybe he, this was his goal all along was in making these claims and making these predictions. He shifted our universe onto a different trajectory through the many worlds hypothesis. I'm going to, I'm going to posit my theory. Mm-hmm. I think this guy's a weirdo. He's a weirdo. So <laughs> basically he went dark predictions didn't come true there's been some theories about who he was a, a private investigator um in i think believe it was 2009 a private investigator hired by a uh, an italian documentary uh company who's making a story about john Tudor. Oh, um, um hired a private investigator who claimed that he discovered evidence that this was a hoax a story created by two brothers one brother was a computers expert and worked in computer and information technology. The other brother was a lawyer for the entertainment industry. Uh, I was and- gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say this shit screams a fucking actor. <laughs> yeah, dude. and so that this lawyer slash entertainment lawyer and his computer science brother, who had a little bit, which could explain for John Teeter having computer knowledge that isn't exactly privy to most people as some esoteric knowledge about computers could explain that and and that, also their dorks probably that yeah basically this was done as kind of not necessarily a hoax to mess with people but as kind of like a little bit of a literary skit that they were doing it was kind of like almost like an art piece in a way like the war of the worlds broadcast yeah it was like they were doing some kind of art piece in order to um i don't know just raise up a fun little online discussion, you know, in the early 2000s. Who knows? Um, the fact of the matter is, John Tudor probably wasn't a time traveler. It was most likely Aww. a story. <laughs> no. Um, you know, but it, it makes me think, and all these TikToks, you know, going back to the topic at hand, all these TikToks, it's just kids having fun. Nobody's really a backwards time traveler. So here's where here's where I want to discuss what I actually believe about time travel in terms of conspiracy right. theory. Um, so I don't think anybody's traveling back in time and coming back and making, you know, predictions or telling us what's going to happen because that I don't believe is possible. And um, what if you've ever seen the famous Futurama episode where um, so there's a famous one where uh, Professor Farnsworth makes a time machine. And, you know, he brings Fry and Bender onto the time machine. And they're like, oh, you know, so we can go backwards. And he explains, actually, no, backwards time travel is impossible. 
What is possible is forwards time travel. And actually, I don't know this for sure. I'm a layman in the subject, but many physicists agree and believe that time travel is possible, but it's not possible to go backwards. It's only possible to go forward in time. In fact, um, I don't have a good understanding of it, but being in space, traveling long distances, think interstellar, can accelerate time on Earth, but you don't experience time relative to Earth. It's like your experience of time changes. So Earth ages, you don't, or you age slower than they do on Earth, as a la Interstellar. Mm -hmm. So where I don't believe time travel is possible to go backwards, I don't believe the... Because if it was, we would have seen time travelers by now, right? Right? There would have been a guy, if it was possible, it would have happened for real, and they wouldn't have gone on TikTok or some backwater message board to reveal their truth right it would i feel like they would have a little bit more of an effort (laughs) they'd put in a little bit more of an effort um they'd be screaming bloody mary on the streets i think on cnn i think the most important thing to think about think about with this is that we're dealing with high level dorks all right these so do you think it's possible to quantum shift into another universe and time travel in that I, way actually I, john I, teeter style I, because I, if I, there is one way that john teeter's true it's that he he not only time traveled but shifted universes well okay so like along quantum shifting that that line um you know what's interesting is that uh I've heard, like, many stories on, uh, like, r slash glitch in the Matrix of, like, people describing, like, they, like, could have sworn that they, like, had committed suicide, and then basically they don't even notice it, and, uh, like, like, I remember there's one guy who described, he said that he remembers, um, like, pulling the trigger on the gun in his, you know, in his mouth, committing suicide, and, uh, and then he, like, he woke up, and he was, like, about to do it. Well, I mean, yeah, I get, I guess, but like, I don't know, man. I mean, that that just, man. <laughs> time, we really sit here talking about time travel, but mm-hmm. all right. Um, I don't know. I think it's a sexy idea. That's the reason why a lot of movies have been made off of the idea of time travel. There's just something sexy about it. I think there's also an aspect of people who wish they could go back in time for for uh, like um. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, nostalgia reasons. Sentimental reasons. Sentimental reasons, right. You know, maybe reliving, you know, past events. like you know, Childhood. Childhood, whatnot. Um, you want to go see your grandma when she was a young lady? <laughs> grandma, it's me, your future grandson. Yeah. What would you do if you time traveled? Uh, I would... Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. I... Like, I, th- I think it would be interesting to see something in the past, like, if it is possible to time travel into the past. But if we're going to the future, yeah, sure. I would, I would be curious to go, like, 100 years, see what but happens. But you can't go back. You go into the future, you can't come back. That's the thing with forward time travel. You can only move forward. There's no backwards movement. All right, give me, like, 50 years. 50 years? That means most of the people you know now will either be really old or dead. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> nice. Nice. I'll be dead. You can be finally be free of me. Yeah. So I will finally have <laughs> That's uh, your plan. I've finally gotten rid of you. Alright, well that was uh that was that was very interesting. I was actually very entertained oh, yeah. hearing that. Yeah. Good. Um I, I I do think it's funny when like 
like weird like phenomena like this come back and you know what I think it is Zach I ultimately think it is hmm. I think it's a sign that we're all healing as a nation perhaps yeah bring I, I bring back say, silly goofiness like this I, I think it is silly goofiness and I think all of it is in good fun um I think it's a fun concept to play with and I would say that there is a little bit of a kernel of truth in all this because people make apocalyptic predictions but a lot of it is not out of the realm of possibility be it nuclear war or a class- except that Harold class- camping dude the one dude who was a like cataclysmic trying to pre- environmental you remember that dude thing? he was the, he was the, uh, no I'm sorry sorry <laughs> a cataclysmic environmental um event happening or nuclear war or let's say accelerated climate ch- climate change right I think it is interesting to think that maybe these people through these stories which are essentially hoaxes and stories and through this time traveling story they're weaving is trying to maybe warn they live in this time they're one of us but they're trying to warn us of what they think could happen they're making predictions themselves about Mm -hmm. where the direction they see the world headed and they hope to maybe spark some type of at least discussion about it Mm -hmm. through this time traveling story so that's what i see it most of this as including the john tudor story including a lot of these tiktokers is Mm -hmm. people with genuine concern about the future Trying to um, bring it's, it's interesting bring you put it that way. I can, I, I, I definitely see that. I like, you know, they're, they're, you know, like, you know, take for example, like, you know, what I was talking about, like, about the environment with the Exxon Mobil story, like, you know, like, you know, if I was really passionate, I could come back and be like, we gotta get rid of all the gas companies, you know, or else they're gonna ruin the environment, you know? It could be a, a way of, you know, uh, someone's silly way of trying to basically, you know, like, try to change something in their present. That's int- That's a very, like, that's a, that's, that's very interesting. <laughs> so, if you have a concern about the future and you want people to take notice... Pretend to be a time traveler on TikTok. Yeah, That's dude. our advice for today. I think. Yeah. You can be whatever you want on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, wrap this one up? Yeah, I think we're good. All right, man. Well, that's going to do it for this week. We're out of here. Peace. Thanks for listening. So take me away. I don't mind.